Off the Bench is a podcast created by ASCLS that will discuss the scientific and not so scientific ideas in laboratory medicine. We are joined by members of ASCLS, fellow scientists, educators, and researchers, along with those interested in the profession. We share ideas and talk nerdy. And welcome back to the Off the Bench podcast. I am your host, Sophia Chandrasekhar. I am joined by my co-host today, me, Doyen Redding. And today we are joined with our guest speaker, Luis Plaza of Ooh. the Let's Talk Micro podcast. Luis, tell us more about yourself. Uh, well, hello um, to the audience and uh, thank you so much for having me. Um, so like you said, yeah, I am Luis Plaza. I am uh, a medical laboratory scientist in microbiology. I have worked in other areas. Microbiology definitely being my favorite and I'm not I'm not going back. I just, I truly embrace it that this is what I want to do and I am all in. So um, as far as, so I have a, my podcast is called Let's Talk Micro and it's about explaining microbiology in simple terms, going over, or, over organisms, reactions. And also I bring guests, you know, if there's, there's a publication or something that it looks like it might be relevant to what we do as MLSs, uh, I definitely, you know, I ask them and over so far, everyone has been really great. And I have plenty of guests. So as far as other things, I am also a laboratory instructor. I am, you know, I'm a quality, uh, I am the lead, lead, my lead medical laboratory scientist in quality control. And I am also a graduate student. I started my master's about two years ago, guessing what microbiology <laughs> and it is going great. So I'm definitely staying very busy. You wear so many hats. That is insane. So with all of your roles, how do you find time? And where in the world did you even come up with the idea to start the, this podcast? Let's talk micro. Yeah. That's a great question. So it goes back to, yeah, I'm definitely many hats. I'm very busy. I have to stay very organized and I'll keep talking more about that. But um, this idea came from, you know, I will say a few years ago. And those of you that, you know, that work as medical laboratory scientists, and if you work in microbiology, I've been a MLS for about 10 years. So if you remember when you, if you wanted to work in microbiology, if you wanted to do plate reading, work with the organisms, it was very hard to get a job on first shift. That's where all the plate reading was done, all the bacteriology. So it was full of texts that they've been there for 20, 25, 30 years. So you pretty much will have to start on the second shift or the third shift, which is what I did. You know, I'm just getting into the department and then I kind of worked my way down. I started on third shift, then something in the second open. I did that and then I finally ended in first shift. And so when we, when we got there, you know, so it was maybe like three of us that were, were very like junior. And then you had all this text with this massive experience. So I kind of started thinking about maybe do like some sort of a microbiology club where us, you know, the junior techs, you know, maybe we'll get together and go over organisms, reactions, you know, get really strong so we can do our jobs better and stuff like that. But, you know, it never happened. And, and after a while, you know, I just, I pursue other things, you know, I just, I went on the track to be a supervisor and that kind of fell, fell behind. But then finally, like, you know, like, um, I would say about two, three years ago, I started really looking into it. And then I found out how to set it up, how to do it. And it turned out, you know, it was, it was easier than I expected. So yes, you know, I, I, from that, I just, I always like to teach. I'm the, you know, I've been involved in like training you know, training technologists, uh, training students when they're doing the clinical rotations at the hospital. And and also, you know, uh, four years ago, I became a lab instructor. So I definitely enjoy teaching. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I really like talking about this. I had the idea of the micro club. Now I'm going to look into the podcast. You know, it looks like it's, it's feasible. You know, the setup is not as complicated as it looks. So I went ahead and did it. And, uh, but it also came from that I always find, you know, I always want to learn. I want to understand the behind the things, you know, why this is like this, why this test, 
where do we get the information from? You know, I kind of compare it to like cooking, you know, just don't, don't give me the, the you know, those, the instructions, you know, I just want to know why are you using this ingredient? Why are you doing this? I think it ultimately it makes us better at our jobs. But I kind of find that it was always hard to get people to teach you. I think in microbiology, sometimes, you know, like finding a mentor can be hard. And maybe, you know, you show that you want to learn so much and maybe it might seem a little bit threatening or I don't know. That's what I think. So it's always hard. Maybe one person gets taught all that information. And then I kind of had to like teach myself and start, you know, finding the resources. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to, I don't want others going through this. So I'm going to go ahead and the things that I have learned, you know, and my knowledge, you know, the organisms, the biochemicals, I'm going to go ahead and share it, make it easier for people to find that information. And then you just put it in one place where they can find it and just listen to it while they're doing, you know, all sorts of different chores. That's amazing. That's, that's a very laboratory mindset. I feel like where, you know, you've gone through something and you don't want others to have to go through it. So then it's almost like you are not only creating your let's talk micro podcast to share information, but it almost becomes like a, like a little SOP of information, like a little data <laughs> data bank for people to access later on and just, you know, have that information from wherever they are. Yeah. You know, a, a podcast is something that you can just be doing anything. And, and I mentioned this before, uh, you know, typically in the lab, you know, we all have, either we have families, we have obligations, a lot of texting, you know, sometimes, you know, they're, you know, they are moms that are just, you know, as soon as the job is over, they have to go, you know, deal with homework, you know, uh, mm -hmm. doing, you know, household things. And so it's kind of hard for everyone to sit down and maybe start reading journals or pouring over these resources because it is time consuming. So, but, you know, on your commute, you can just play the podcast listen to it maybe you're doing anything from cooking which i do know when i'm if i'm cooking if i'm doing my household chore i just put a podcast in the background and people do that a lot so it's a very nice and convenient format yeah and in addition to the information that i said i also share things that i have learned um for example like for media okay, okay you know i noticed over the years that maybe this media you might get this organism growing even, you know, it's not meant for that. So it's a good way, you know, to share that information that it can help you isolate organisms. Mm. Yeah, it's making that important information that much more accessible. And that's, we're in a very accessible day and age. And that's kind of what it all comes down to. Yeah, indeed. And, and you know, it's one thing I, I've always noticed that sometimes, you know, a lot of texts, some are okay with just, they do their job and if they get stuck, you know, right. Ask the supervisor, tell me what to do. Give me the answer. I'll mm -hmm. go ahead and do it. But some people do want to learn, you know, the why. And sometimes, you know, you find yeah. yourself being a tech in the weekend by yourself. And there's no need to, that you should be like texting your supervisor over the weekend with a question when you have the resources available. But sometimes it comes from a place that you don't know what the resources are. Mm. microbiology you know the secret to be a good microbiologist it's of course you know education but it is repetition and that builds confidence you need to be able to execute that decision that you're making based on of course you know on your guidelines on your knowledge uh, but you have to be able to and sometimes you know people are scared but it's because you know they lack the confidence and that comes from doing it over and over again so, and that's one thing I noticed, you know, besides people being unaware of the resources, you know, I am not a genius by any means, um, <laughs> but I can get through my work even from early on. I can probably do most days I get through my entire workload without asking the supervisor anything. And it's because I make sure, you know, I research, I look at my resources and overall seeing it over and over again, you build that confidence. And I make that call and it's not, you know, this, some people might hesitate. Well, you know, I was going to, I want to make sure I ask the supervisor. Well, you know, if you know the resource, if you know where the information is coming from, and if you know you're right, 
I have no problem explaining the supervisor why I did the call that I did. But you have to make sure that when you make that, right, you're you're backing it up with the appropriate resources. I I remember having a uh, having a professor who told us that it was more important for us I us to know understanding and utilizing and knowing how to utilize our resources to back up any decisions we made or any identifications we made because that is far more important and far more translatable across the different fields than just raw knowledge of memorization. Yeah, you know, and definitely when when it comes to that, um, yeah, microbiology tends to be a very gray area. And sometimes, you know, you even see people that just, they, you know, they ace their exams or they ace their ACP. And then when they sit there and you have to make that call, it's like, okay, you know, this box, you know, they don't, they don't go to school. You know, they don't read They don't books. know what they're supposed to look like. Yeah, they do whatever they want. So it's just, you have to, yeah, I mean, it's just, you kind of have to get used to that. And, and, but yeah, you as with your knowledge and knowing you need to be aware of what the organism and the reactions and, and stuff like that. And maybe not the ones that we're learning a lot nowadays, especially here in the U.S. We don't use them. You know, we have Molotov and we have instruments. But at the very least, you know, knowing your basic biochemicals, knowing your susceptibility patterns. So you can know that, you know, what if someone set up the wrong organism? They didn't know what it looked like and they set a Vitek on the wrong one. And then you get the susceptibility. But if you know that what a typical pattern is, especially, you know, what's intrinsically resistant or things like that, you can say, okay, this pattern matches this bug. So it's a, it's a good susceptibility. Uh, but if you don't, and once again, you know, it comes from a place of seeing things over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I would say, since we're actually currently recording this on the 17th of July, I'm not sure when this will get published, uh, but tomorrow you're releasing your 100th episode uh, yeah. congratulations on the 100th episode yeah but uh from podcaster to podcaster i also noticed that uh you release once a week we over here on the off the bench only release once a month and we can barely keep up <laughs> how do you do it especially with with your vast knowledge of experience and such and also all the hats you wear how, how are you able to produce an episode every every single week do you have a team like what goes on behind the scenes there yeah. Oh yeah, it's yeah, it's it's. Uh, you really have to stay very organized with it. Um, I think when I started the podcast at first, I was, I wasn't, I hadn't started the masters yet. Um, so I was kind of focusing more. So I had more time to do the episodes, and then you know it was like around May towards the summer. So I wasn't teaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then once I got into the master and everything started getting you know coming into play, it was just about getting organized so i just i work like four 10-hour shifts and then i get you know that extra day so my days off i typically will i teach at the university and then i work on podcast stuff and then between everything else i just i also do my school my school work but yeah it just it, it is just me right it's just one definitely one very interesting holiday party it's just me um <laughs> yeah so i you know i i i look for the topics I do the recordings. I do the editing, which is like a very tedious, right? Just uh, like I, oh, oh yes, I'm <laughs> as as the editor as well for this podcast. I'm very well aware. Yeah, <laughs> not, nothing like listening to yourself for thirty minutes. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, and then because while you're editing, you're doing it, and then it's like okay, well, before I publish it, I typically just like put it in my car to the, on the way to work. To make sure I didn't skip over anything and make sure that the you know the final product is good. So yeah, there's twice of that. Um, so but yeah, no, it's just it's just about that. Um once I I typically, you know, there are so many topics. And then for example, I start I write a few episodes and then I start seeing, you know, like uh, some some publication, and then I reach out to the guest. So typically I have like maybe like three or four interviews as schedule mm. at any given time. So that gives me, you know, it's like four weeks of, of episodes. And then in between that, you know, if I can write about an organism or, you know, those can sometimes, you know, come up to two, even three episodes. So it's just definitely about 
scheduling one day. Okay. I'm looking ahead and I'm like, okay, I have four interviews. So that gives me a month. You know, when you start getting to that two weeks that I'm like, okay, do I have any more guests or do I have to sit, you know, pull my textbooks and start writing more episodes mm -hmm. so I can get to that point. So typically I would like to have that two week, you know, a two week buffer. And it worked out really well. I think in the, this, when I, I typically take some breaks, like in the holidays. And uh, when I came in January, I did like two or three episodes. And then after that, it was just all interviews. So I definitely had enough and I already have some schedule when, uh, because after tomorrow, which is you know, the hundred episode, um, I take a little bit of a break. You know, kind of just to catch up with school and do other things. And then I will come back in August. So I already have at least, you know, like maybe three, three weeks. Once I come back, you know, the, they will be ready and good to go. But that's, that's, yeah, but that's my process. And then typically every week I make sure that, you know, if I release on Thursday, if I can, maybe by, by Sunday, I start editing and just try to have it ready by Tuesday. And that's, that's the whole process. That's amazing. I, I, in terms of like scheduling people, um, I have something that I think I need to work on. Uh, my co-host Galena was usually the one who's better at reaching out to people because she would listen to a lot more talks and kind of do who to reach out to. Whereas I would try to come up with topics of people that I follow. Right. So we had, it was, it was such a cool experience to be able to put like such a such a big variety show almost because I feel like off the bench is a little bit of a variety show some some really like educational interviews some more casual interviews some you know like real cooler talk conversations kind of thing and um my what I actually do for the editing is I'll do the same thing you do I will go through once cut 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 uh do the audio editing balance all the noise, balance all the sound. And then actually on my review, I actually review in times two speed, which I don't know if that would, it, it definitely makes it faster, but it also makes it really funny to listen to because you hear everyone go at times two speed. You're just entertaining yourself. Pretty much. <laughs> I love that we were listening to you talk, Louise, me and Sophia were just over here like shaking our heads in disbelief oh for like, three days out of the week to just get it all done and know that you're in that kind of routine of of predictability of what you can get done in that amount of time that's just beyond impressive yeah you know it's, and I'm I, it's even I'm impressed with myself because sometimes you know I just um I think I I used to struggle a little bit with being organized um but this is something that you know that's very dear to me and and you know, like I was talking, <clears throat> I was talking to other, another podcaster one time, you know, doing an episode. And uh, so I just, I, I feel like, you know, like I, in my mind, you know, like I have this huge audience. So, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fail them. I'm not gonna disappoint them. So for me, the thought of not even having anything ready or sending a message saying, Hey, there's no episode this week. It makes me feel like really bad as I'm okay. Just, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best to make sure that there's an episode out and if for any reason because it's happened before um you know any live things you know if anything happens where i cannot publish you know i always let them know hey you know there's not going to be an episode this week but i will come back or i let them know about my breaks i don't know if anyone's listening to that but at the very least you know i feel mm -hmm. like i'm i'm letting them know but yeah it's just it's it's not that bad it's just making sure and it's three days but you know, if it's an interview, you know, that's always very nice to edit because the guest is doing, you know, most of the talking. So you kind of just, <clears throat> you're just listening and then um, maybe do an intro and then you're closing and that's about it. Um, so that can take maybe, you know, one, two hours of editing and then the time that you listen to in the car. So it's, you know, you're doing something every day, but it's just a little bit. Yeah. I think it will mostly the ones that I write about an organism, those are the ones that take a little bit longer because I have to make sure that I have all the, you know, all the information is correct. And I have to sit down, open my micro textbooks and just start looking at everything and making sure, okay, that I don't miss anything. Or if there's maybe another thing, you know, so looking at the internet. So it just, those are definitely more time consuming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I think that that's a really good format too. I mean, you think about a lot of like TV shows, even a lot of the time, like, you know, a, a fiction superhero series will have like the bad guy of the week. Right. And so it's kind of cool to hear you talking about like, oh, you'll just open your book. I'm like, oh, it's the micro bug of the week. And then that can just like really take up a whole episode and then boom, you've got your idea and, and you run with it. Yeah. And if you have sometimes, you know, if, because if, I like to do the episodes somewhat short because of the, you know, people are busy and the attention span, it's easier, you know, you more like more likely will listen to 20 minutes. Some that sometimes, you know, 40 or 50, you can always pause it, of course. But so I kind of just keep that in mind. If I have a guest that maybe they talk for an hour, then I can split it in two and that's two episodes. Mm. So like a part one and a part two, I have done that. So, but yeah. Yeah. And yes. having the foresight to break it out like that. I mean, procrastination is a lot of people's worst enemy and they'll be like, oh, I will break that up and then I'll get around to that later. But just the ability to like have the foresight of like the plan that you're doing and rolling with it. That's probably the coolest part. Yes, definitely. And I will I will talk a little bit more about that. Um, you know, down when we start talking a little bit about social media, I have more to add about that. Yeah, that'd be great because I, as someone who also tries to do social media, it's always good to hear like advice from other people, see how other people organize their schedules and um, uh, uh, plan their content. Because I, not the best at planning my own content. <laughs> <laughs> so you've talked about how which was sort of how the podcast came to be and, you know, lining up all these speakers and coming up with ideas as well as like the bug of the week, essentially. Do you have like any favorite moments from being a microbiologist that then translate into a podcast episode that become then the bug of the week because say you saw something cool or a really interesting case? Do you, do you have anything like that? I mean, from my own from from my own lab, I mean, we do see a lot of stuff. And, and when it comes to the bugs, I'm trying to follow an order, kind of like I said, you will find them in a textbook. Um, but when I see a, a publication about a, an organism and something that they had, someone else had, um, definitely, you know, that's a very interesting topic. And I try to bring it to the podcast. For me, definitely, you know, doing all this research and and I feel like I have learned so much. You know, I just say once upon a time, I was really in my mind that I just I, I wanted to be a supervisor. And I was just like the only thing that I was following, you know, and I felt like and I've always been relatively good at my job. I'm just but I feel like I'm so much better now. I have, you know, by opening all these textbooks and doing all this research, talking to all these people, you know, it's it's I, I am so much stronger than I was before. I mean, it's just my knowledge went up and and so with the podcast it's just doing research about uh, antimicrobials and organisms and things like intrinsic resistance i had a really cool case and so maybe the microbiologists out there in the audience you know you're gonna like this <laughs> so there was a culture that we had a pseudomonas aeruginosa and a stenotrophomonas but we could not isolate the steno you know and a steno as you know, it's very it, you know, it's very intrinsically resistant to many antimicrobials. So it's just, you definitely want to make sure you isolate it, that you report it. And just, you know, after three days or something like that, we just couldn't isolate it. And then I started thinking, okay, just let me look at the susceptibility profile. So I know that steno is very resistant to many, many antibiotics. So I look at the profile of the pseudomonas and I saw, okay, it's susceptible to meropenem. So let's go ahead and do like a sweep, put it in a blood plate, and add a meropenem disc. Uh, a day later, you could see the zone, and then the stenotrophomonas was growing right next to the disc. And then we isolated that. Next thing you know, susceptibility is fully ID'd, and that patient got treated. So that was like a very, that was a great high, like a very cool moment. So... That's what I try to convey in the podcast, you know, those things that I have learned that, you know, they can make you better at your job. You know, you can serve the patients better. So that's what I'm trying to like that motivation, that that passion. And as an educator, it's just 
something that I, I enjoy. I enjoy talking to the students about, once again, you know, organisms, reactions, media, letting them know, know your media. Because if you know the ingredients, if you know what's there, you know what organisms might grow there, technically, even though they're not supposed to. So that's, yeah, that's how it translates to less dog micro. That satisfaction of, of either, you know, helping someone or, or, or sharing that knowledge. So with, with your 100 episodes, do you have any particular favorite episodes or do you, do you have episodes that you think anyone who may not, like, for example, me as a non-microbiologist, I'm in a core lab. Um, what are ones that you think that we should listen to or your favorite ones to have shared with people? Well, I definitely have some that as far as I kind of broke them down a little bit. So very general, I have some of our blood cultures, and that's something that everyone pretty much should know, um, depending on what facility. I have been in facilities where sometimes, you know, after first shift or second shift, maybe like the core lab has to re-blood cultures because it's a, it's a smaller facility. Mm. So definitely that, those are good ones to be familiar with. From the microbiologists, you know, I have a episode 94 and 88, and those are about the resources that we have. You know, 88 is about the clinical microbiology procedures handbook. And it's just, and that's where the information pretty much that's in your SOP at the hospital, that's where it comes from. It breaks it down by your source, you know, what media should you use, you know, the incubation requirements, what organisms you should be looking for, flora versus, you know, pathogens. Um, so definitely a great resource. So if you have a little bit of, and they can be a little pricey, but uh, there are some subscriptions now that maybe you can subscribe and pay like a yearly fee and have access to them. But if you have the, you know, if you have the the money, definitely by all means, it's a great purchase. So it's just, I, I love, you know, I, I purchased them a few years ago and it just, you know, if you're in the mood for some light reading at home, um <laughs> Well, maybe not so light, right? But it's just <laughs> definitely great resources. And um, I also have uh, one that I just released. It's just about an upcoming sub-series that it's about, you know, antimicrobial resistance. And that's something that should be in everyone's radar, right? So we, antibiotics and, you know, being used in livestock, um, you know, water that you have, you know, lack of access to you know, clean water and you have all this resistance going on you know, over abusing antibiotics. So that should be on everyone's radar. And as far as from a more general standpoint, uh, cordyceps, you know, those of you that watched The Last of Us. Yes. Uh, so it's a <laughs> yes. very, yeah. So it's a very cool episode. You know, I had this this great um, doctor. He came to the podcast. He talked about it. And, and it's just, you know, it gives you, he gives you some information about you know, about fungi and maybe though technically, you know, there's the temperature difference, but you're seeing fungal infections that normally you hadn't seen in humans before. So even though it's not looking like the zombie thing, but, you know, you're seeing more fungal infections that normally they were seen maybe in animals or, or maybe plants, but it's just one of those. So I think definitely I will recommend those, but depending, you know, I have other good ones like a if you're like into marine microbiology or, you know, that one was very interesting. Uh, but it gives you a very good overview of, of the organisms and, you know, biochemicals and basic micro like media and things like that. Oh, sounds super interesting. And I, I have your site, your RSS feed pulled up right next to me that I'm looking at and I'm like kind of marking them for myself to listen to later as well. I'm, they all sound amazing. Thank so, you so much. So you had mentioned that you that uh, we were going to discuss social media. And since you do have a podcast, which is social media, and I run uh, a laboratory comic page, which is social media, and Dorian is trying to start her own social I am, media. I am thinking about starting one. So <laughs> that is that is about how... starting the social media. <laughs> um, so for somebody like Dorian, or even people who've been doing it for a couple of years like me, what is, what's your advice 
to laboratorians who want to have more of a social media pre presence, either to share the knowledge that they have or to just even just bring awareness to the laboratory profession? Yeah, you know, social media, it's 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 great. Um, I never thought about it the way I do it now. I mean, definitely there's a lot of stuff out there, right, that just... You know, things like TikTok and you can go down all these videos and stuff, you know, which if I guess if you're looking to you know, just relax for a few minutes, you know, they're always nice if you want to wind down after a long day, just watching things like that. But as far as for, you know, for science, it's it's great. I think everyone should take advantage of it. Um, you know, they all work a little bit different. You have more reach, uh, for example, like I think uh, sometimes, you know, Twitter works best for like the professional you know, a lot of more microbiologists are there and, and medical, you know, uh, med techs as well. Um, sometimes, you know, with Instagram, it's a little bit different. Uh, so they all have their pros and cons, but it's definitely, it's a great format to spread your message out there. And that's like, that's how I actually met, you know, most of my guests, you know, it's been through, I do go over journals and I reach directly, but sometimes, you know, after following people, they publish their article and then, you know, so it's right there in that place and I just reach out to them. Um, so, yeah, some of my very first guests were, were there and that's how I just, I saw the person and then I looked up their email and I reached out to them and everyone has been, you know, really good about saying yes for the most part. I mean, I understand that we all have full-time jobs and it can get sometimes a little complicated, but overall, people have been very accommodating. But definitely, if you're going to do that, make sure you do it in a responsible manner, right? Make sure that the information you're putting out there is correct. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to the resources. Make sure that before you get there and you start talking about something, make sure you have all the right facts. And also, um, if you're looking for, you know, maybe build an audience and things like that, you have to be patient. That's one of the things, you know, it's just... I can take the coolest picture of, you know, a very cool bug that I saw. And, you know, on a good day, maybe you can get 10,000 views. And then someone will post getting their coffee on the way to the lab and they get 100,000 views. So <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's very temperamental. And so it's just, you have to be patient with that. Uh, it's just, that's just the way it is. And, you know, I've been doing this for two years. And it's just, it's slowly, you know, it's building up. But if you, if you want to bring awareness about something, it's very, you know, it's great, especially, you know, with the medical laboratory sciences, now, you know, we talked about the unawareness that people, you know, they, they already have a degree. Most people, they graduate and then they find out about the program. So we are in need of text. So now, you know, even social media, you see people posting about like summer immersion programs where like high school students can come in and look at, you know, what medical laboratory sciences is. So it's a great platform to bring awareness. And I will say to you, Sophia, that when you're looking for guests, definitely just start zeroing in on the interest that you have. And then, you know, looking for those people and just, and then after a while, because right, if you follow someone that you think is a good guest or, and then who they follow, you know, they might post some of their stuff. And that's how you continue seeing, you know, more and more people. So by all means, you know, just be responsible, but go for it. I love the idea that you make it sound like it's it's easier than you probably think it is, right? Like everybody has a digital footprint. Like if you want information, you Google it. And in that Google search, you're probably coming across the name of someone who has a very real email that you can just contact them at like it's the little things that I never really thought twice about but it, hearing it out loud it makes perfect sense yeah definitely and you know one thing for me it was a lot was the whole podcast thing like I before I really got into it I was googling and then I saw these things like oh, I'm so busy and I'm seeing things here like RSS feed and and things like that and a picture with you know a certain amount of pixels and I'm like, I don't have time for this. You know, it's just like, it looks so complicated. Uh, but then after a while, it's like, okay, you know, there are, there are sites that just, you know, you sign in, pay a monthly fee, and then they just, you get that RSS feed and just, you know, there are sites where you can create your art. 
you know, with some free plans. So it's just, so it wasn't definitely, it wasn't complicating at all. I just, the thing was for me was the first time that I decided to reach to a guest. I'm like, okay, normally I wouldn't talk to, let's say a, a microbiologist from like the Mayo Clinic or something like that. But then, so that was, you know, maybe a little bit intimidating, but then just, you know, just find their email address and just let them know. And then that person said, yeah, yeah, I'll be happy to do it. So then after that, it's just one of those things like, okay, they say yes. And then of course, you know, just, it's a, you know, it's a big community and if someone has a good experience on my podcast then maybe someone else will, might ask, Hey, have you, you know, you know, Lewis from Let's Talk Micro. So what do you think? And just people, more people start saying, saying yes. And it was, you know, it was a great experience. I went to the, the ASM microbe, the American Society for Microbiology in June, and a lot of my guests were there. So it was nice to finally meet them in person and talk to them. And it was good. It's just, yeah. you know, one of those things that like one of my guests, she was saying, as she introduced me to other people, she's like, you know, what I like about Luis is just that it doesn't matter, you know, who it is, he will, you know, reach out to them if he wants them on their podcast. So definitely if, uh, as a podcaster, if you, if you're looking to have a guest, something wrong, you know, don't feel intimidated, just, you know, be respectful, be curious and, and ask, you will be surprised. A lot of people in this field, they want to talk about what they do. They want to share their information. So all you have to do is ask and if they say, no, well, you move on. Um, I think as, as if you're really serious about making a podcast and, as it grows and it grows your following, maybe eventually that guest might say yes. I remember a quote from a really good TED Talk um, that every single person has a story. All you have to do is ask and they're more than happy to share it. Yeah. That is that is one of my favorite quotes of all yeah, time. And especially about on lab things. I mean, we're just such a niche little community. Like like we love like being in our community and, and sharing the wealth with one another. Share the knowledge, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm happy that I have met people with that mindset. Because sometimes, you know, if you don't know, you can maybe be in a workspace where that's not the case. And I have experienced that. And I just, I felt like I was the weird one. You know, it's like, just here I am, wanted to learn. And then just people don't want to share information. And then guess what? You know, just there's a whole community of people that are thinking just like you that they love what they do and they want to make sure that people, you know, they, they share that information and that people learn. So it's just, you know, they're out there. So it's a, it's, it's a great journey. I have met so many wonderful people and, you know, I kind of feel like just right. Like a little bit of like that Hollywood feel where I'm like uh, meeting all these people that I've seen, you know, with these publications and, you know, like right now, I've been seeing, I've, I've seen this podcast around and I listened to some episodes and here I am, I guess, in it. So it's a, <laughs> it's a pretty cool experience as, as, you know, that part of the journey. So since this is a very meta episode, right, this is a podcast episode about podcasting. Do you want to tell the people about what the whole picture looks like, like starting from step one? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So once, once you get, you know, there. If you if you're looking to do a, a podcast, there are definitely several providers. You know, which is you know with your search engine of your you know of your preference, you can look at them and you know they offer different plans. You know, monthly fees. Um, if you're doing interviews, you know things like Zoom. It just they have like a sometimes like a very economical plan that it just that you you know you pay yearly and just you know you record the the interviews there. So it's a great. There are other places and of course, but I think. If you're getting started and as you progress, you know, Zoom is, is a pretty good place to start. Um, just about that, you make sure you have a, an, an editing software. I mean, if you have uh, an Apple computer, that's uh, definitely, you know, you have GarageBand, which is, you know, it comes with it. Um, I think I heard about, was it, um, there's one from the, the, the Microsoft side um, that's very popular. I can't remember the name right now. Um, but it's just, I know there's audacity, which is, which is free and very good for, um, it's a little clunky, but it is good if for, cause it's free. There's like not a big budget for it. If you don't have, if you just want to try it, 
Um, if, if say someone has an Adobe suite already, like I already pay for an Adobe suite, I actually, I personally use Audition just because it's something that I'm more familiar with at this point. So, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So you have, you know, editing software and then, you know, just need a, a microphone, very good choices. You know, you have USB microphones, uh, you know, very popular. The one that I'm using, the Blue Yeti. Um, so it, it does the job. It's, you know, it's pretty good. And there's always, of course, you know, if you're very technical. If you want more things, there's definitely a lot of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. um, but it, after that, it's just sitting there recording your episode. Make sure you know you, if you have, like I mentioned before with the interview, it's a little bit easier because you have some prearranged questions pretty much. And uh, of course, you know, if anything pops, you can always ask the guest uh, if they're okay answering that. Um, but if it's like, if you're doing a, a topic like I do with an organism, then right, you have to make sure that I write it down and then, you know, have it ready. And then as I'm looking at it, reading it, and then if anything comes to mind, I can, I can always expand on it as I'm going. Um, and just making sure that the audio is good. And as you're editing, you know, listen for those sounds. And when you're listening to yourself, that's when you become very sensitive and you start really hearing out. It's like, oh my goodness, why is my throat doing that? Or <laughs> things like that. It's just like those noises or, or you get stuck and you're like, um, um, or even things like, you know, like if you're just, if you're just like swallowing, you know, it sounds so loud while you're recording. So, so things like that, just make sure that you review your product before and, you know, it's a podcast so you can take your time and just edit the things that you don't like, you know, all those spaces. And for me, it has been an evolution because as I listened to my earlier episodes, you know, so right now I've been doing it for two years, so I'm getting better at it. Um, you know, talking this much has always been a challenge for me because I am, I am an introvert. So this is me coming out of my shell and forcing myself to overcome that. And I just, it has helped me out a lot, mm. but yes, yeah, as you do that, just making sure that you have a good product. And of course, as you continue doing it, you're going to get better and making sure that those things, you know, like those arms and things like that, you edit them out. But yeah, I think most podcasters, unless, you know, unless you've been doing this for a long time, that maybe you work in radio or you're a communicator, everyone doesn't like how they sound on the first episodes. Just, it's one of those things, you know, you, you get better as you go along. And of course, you know, I, I mentioned the patience. So just because you're putting something out there, you know, you're publishing an episode, it's like, oh, I'm going to have all these downloads. It doesn't work like that. No one knows who you are. So you have to bring the awareness about it. And this is one of those good things. And I know here with, AS, you know, ASCLS, you know, huge following from the laboratory community. So it kind of helps me, you know, put mine on the spot a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But that has, that has been the challenge of uh, making people aware of it. I still sometimes, you know, I, I meet people like through like LinkedIn and I send them a message. Hey, you know, this is my podcast. Check it out if you like. And like oh i didn't know this was in or this existed you know two years down the road so it's just it's it's not a race it's a marathon oh yeah i i started warbler work studio with 11 followers all of which were my co-workers and friends nice. and now it's i think a i don't think i have that much still i think it's like over 2000 on facebook and maybe over a thousand on Instagram but it's it's been a long three years like a lot of work you, you have to be consistent and you're right it's definitely not definitely not a sprint it's a very long marathon because I've I too have also looked at my previous work and I don't like it and I would like to scrub it but I know I, I keep it up there as a reminder to myself of you know this is how far I've come this is how far I've grown and you know anyone anyone starting out with social media really that's that's the main thing to remember is that it's going to take a while remember to you know separate yourself separate your mental health from the analytics and the numbers because the algorithm is a cruel mistress they change it all the time no, one thing that will work will not work the next week and you don't know why and it's just sometimes timing even if you get the timing right it's all luck so, you know, just as long as you produce the content and I would say like content is probably 
80% of the product, right? If you have at least 80% of your product being extremely good contact content and that last 20% being like, you know, the, the little bells and whistles, your, your intro music, your, your clear audio, you know, um, one other big tip I like to give uh, people who start a podcast or for, for example, we had a, a leadership class actually do some extra podcast episodes. My advice was to them was when you're recording, uh, if you can put pillows in front of your keyboard and put pillows around you to try to dampen as many sounds and you know keep it from bouncing off the walls and stuff. So like, it's going to take a while. I used to, it took me a while to figure out that I had to put a curtain in front of my computer to record. So it, it takes time. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I do. <clears throat> I do that. I, I also um, like for I like I shut my you know I make sure that the AC is not running. You know that sometimes can sound a lot. You know, like I don't have any fans, and you know this is Florida, and I I, I live very close to an airport. So sometimes you know depending on the time of the day, you can hear all the planes, and you can hear people cutting the grass. So you kind of have to work around that, and you know pick those times um, just to make sure. It's always nicer in the winter uh, because, you know, with the AC off, it gets, it, you know, the house stays, you know, relatively cold. In the summer, it can be a little more challenging. So I kind of just make sure that I just, I really lower the AC, you know, a couple of hours before I start recording. And then when I'm going to start, I turn it off. And then that's, it gives me that, you know, that window for me to record and just, and I don't hear it in the background. But yeah, those things yeah. that you said, um, yeah, I've seen some pretty cool setups also like mini mini you know like soundproof booths and yeah i think someone asked me if uh like if for some reason like if i made money out of this um what would you do you know with all that money and i just if i had money to spare you know i will make like a build like a soundproof you know booth you know mm -hmm. go all go all out for it and i just and do that um yeah oh yeah i i have i have Currently, I have tiles, uh, foam tiles to help with the sound behind my computer. And every once in a while, I'll pull out the the um, blanket. But I actually have like a bean bag here on the side next to me and a stuffed dog in front of me to help with muting some of the sounds that I have as well. <laughs> Very <laughs> so, professional. Everyone oh, yeah. should have a stuffed Completely dog. Completely professionals. Everyone should <laughs> totally have a stuffed dog in front of them. Uh, stuffed plushy, plushy doll, not oh, like yes. a stuffed dog. And I guess sort of on a more fun note, I would like to ask you, what are your three favorite organisms and what are your three least favorite organisms and why? Important. Yeah. So um, while I talk about this, you know, I just I want to make sure that, you know, with the disclaimer, right, you should never smell plates. That's just, you know, you shouldn't do that. But, you know, <laughs> some organisms, they do give some smell. And then when you open the plates, you know, most of them, they're unless you know you're really suspecting something like a bioterror agent or, or if you have something, uh, you know, like fungal in nature. Most of the place, you know, you handle them in the open, and you, as long as you know, you have your PPE and uh, with your gloves, and you don't even have to wear a mask. Even though now with after COVID, you know, a lot of techs have adopted, you know, continued wearing it. Um, I find it helpful just because I think sometimes the air quality in the lab is not the best and it's going to help me with the mask. But as far as favorite organisms, definitely Pastorella, Multocida, and Pastorella in general. I did an episode about it, uh, about why I like it so much. And I don't know, I think, first of all, it's kind of fascinating uh, thinking about uh, organisms, you know, that are normal flora and animals or other. Um, and then when they come to us, you know, they're pathogenic. And that's one of the things. And what I like about it is just that it doesn't grow on McConkie unless there's one species that does. Well, kind of two of them, but you might see only one of them. Um, so it makes you think about your media. You know, it's just once again, you know, I bring the knowledge and making sure that you have all that in place because you know, making the assumption, okay, you know, McConkie is selected for gram negative rods. So, and but you know, some yeast could grow on it. But if it doesn't grow on McConkie, doesn't mean that it's not a gram-negative run. And I have seen techs make that assumption, not taking the time to do a ground stain, which is a very helpful tool. And I don't care how much technology we have and how many multi-tops, 
I stand by my gram stain. It's so quick, it's so helpful. But then, you know, they have proceeded to put it on the instrument and then the instrument will give back an ID and then they accept that ID. So that's also something that you need to get familiar with that sometimes, you know, if you put the wrong, if you use the wrong ID card in a system, sometimes, you know, there are some default IDs that you can get. So mm. that's something that I like to always tell the audience. And definitely if you're a microbiologist, you know, like you're listening out there, definitely, you know, if you're doing Vitek gram positive cards, if you get Cocoria, question it, do a gram stain, uh, follow up on that. If you're doing gram negative, if you get sphingomonas, think about it. You might have put a gram positive rod in it. So those things to keep in mind. So I like that about Pastorella. You know, I like the fact that it's some strange and other indole and oxidase positive. It's just, you know, sometimes a lot of the organisms, they're one or the other. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I find it like a very cool organism. Um, for example, like one of those species, Pastorella rogenes, when I started, I didn't know anything about it. Well, that one grows on McConkie. Um, and that was a very cool day in the lab. You know, like I just, I look at my textbook and then I said, you know, there's normal flora in pigs. And guess what? The patient had been bitten by a pig. So how many, how, how many times do you see that? <laughs> I mean, not only here in Orlando that someone has a pig, but then that you have a pig that it bit you. So that's even more unusual, right? I think they're somewhat dull in nature. The wild um, hogs are taking over. I've heard this in the news. The wild <laughs> hogs are trying to overtake America. I've heard it. <laughs> yeah. And um, I like, you know, e, e. coli and pseudomonas. I like them because they're really, when you go into school, uh, you think about your classic E. coli, you know, like lactose fermenter flat, um, you know, indopositive. Sometimes, you know, most of them beta hemolytic. Uh, with pseudomonas, you know, that, that nice metallic sheen, oxidase positive. And it doesn't smell like grapes to me, but it's some sort of, of um, some sort of like fruit smell. I wouldn't say grapes, um, but those, those, like you know. dumpling water to me. Yeah, there's the, there's the radical ones that say that it smells like, smells like tortilla chips. Yeah, that's right, mine. Again. I always get yeah. that one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Like, I think probably dumpling water is close to tortilla chips. <laughs> Flour. Yeah. I, yeah. I get some that are like dirt. Um, dirt. And that one. Yeah. It smells <laughs> like dirt, but I, I, I never really got in the tortilla uh, the smell. Spectrum. It's just. Yeah. So I definitely, those I, I like. Um, I like Alcaligenes fecalis because it's just, it has like that. It's, well, it's, it's like a very fruity smell, almost Ooh. too sweet. But it's just, you know, yeah, when you're really into this and if you're a microbiologist, like if you're working with the blades day in and day out, sometimes, you know, it can get, you have your pretty, you know, your standard books, right? You see E. coli over and over again. You see Staph aureus over and over again. So sometimes, you know, it can get a little monotonous kind of. I mean, it's a good thing, I guess, if you don't see many organisms. I mean, not I guess, it is a good thing. That means your patients aren't getting infections. Um but when you see something different that maybe you don't see that often, I enjoy that. It's just because this is repetition, like I said. So you have to see this organism so you're able to properly identify them and make sure you don't miss things. So that's what, so days like that, when I see things like that, because I'm gaining the knowledge, you know, I'm very, it's very exciting. Of course, you know, the excitement goes away because, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, this and this is a person, right? So if you're seeing this thing, it means that the patient, yeah, like I, one time I saw clostridium perfringens. I never seen it before in a real setting. Mm -hmm. Very exciting to finally see the morphology, see everything. But of course, you know, when you see that, you have a patient, you know, with gangrene and that's not, you know, of course that's not good. But as the scientist, the more you see, the more you get exposed to, the better you get at your job. So it is, it's, it is completely com common to get you know, excited about things like that. Um, as far as the ones that I don't like, it's, I don't like Icanella corrodens, even though it has that nice bleach smell, but it's just like, you know, you have to set up e-tests. So, and a lot of those e-tests typically 
depending on the facility that you work for, if you work in a very large facility, you probably have a lot of ETS that where you have set up a quality control plan where you do it weekly, but most places might do it daily, you know, at the time that you're setting up the test. So a lot of those, you have to set up QC when you get them. Mm. So depending on how many you get, you know, it can be a little bit of a long day. So that's what I don't like about it. Um, but I will say that's, that's about it. I mean, I don't like also nocardia um, because of that. You have to do, you know, your partial, partial acid fasting. You know, you have to sub it to extra media. You have to call it. So it's a lot of, a lot of processes. Of course, you know, it's the scientist portion and seeing the beta rods and, you know, that, that variation that you normally don't see. Yeah, it is cool, but it's just, it's a lot of, a lot of steps. And for some cosmic reason, a lot of these things, you know, they come at the end of your day. I don't know why it's just right. You're almost <laughs> done with your bench. You look at that blade that had been negative for two days, which, you know, no cardiac takes a while to grow. And then on day three, you look at it and there it is. And you do that mm -hmm. gram stain. It is beaded. It's like, okay, I'm staying a little bit late today. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so basically everything is cool, except the ones that make you have to do work, extra work right before you try to leave. <laughs> yeah. Even, and even though, even, even then, I mean, basically, you say if, if I'm staying late because of something that I'm learning, I don't, I just, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. And of course, yeah, it doesn't matter. I will always do it. And I, you know, microbiology is very busy. And I just, I go with the mindset that sometimes, sometimes, you know, it can not too many people are trained. And unfortunately, sometimes you're going to have some long days and hopefully it gets better as we get, maybe we get more techs, mm -hmm. more people trained. Um, mm -hmm. but overall I used to get sometimes, you know, early on frustrated because it's like, okay, I'm going to be here 10 hours. And then I'm like, the more that I got frustrated, the more things it seemed, you know, that went wrong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so after a while, you know, I just, I come in and I know sometimes, you know, I know that, okay, we're short staff today. I'm doing a tough bench. So I come in with the mentality. I'm going to be late today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't fight it i was i'm gonna do my job yeah step by step i'm gonna do it and then when i finish i finish you know what's the worst that could happen that i'm you know i, I get home a couple of hours later and a lot of times you know with that mindset i learned that i actually I, I i've been pleasantly surprised maybe those two hours that i had in my brain it might end up to be 30 minutes mm -hmm. but i go so relaxed that i'm like okay just it is what it is you know, one of those days the phone is going to ring messy cultures and they just, that's just the way it is. Just got to roll with the punches. Yeah. Indeed. Amen. So Luis, where can people find you on social media? Well, I am actually, I am on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as Let's Talk Micro. On Twitter, I am on as Let's Talk Micro 1. And uh, I'm LinkedIn just as Luis Plaza. So awesome. yeah, on, I'm typically putting all through social media. I put, uh, I'm actually on threads now, but that just came out uh, last Yay. week. So, so I always, you know, post pictures of organisms. I always, you know, post videos as to when the next episode is coming out. I do little sound bites and I post those as well with the link to the episode. And, uh, but it's very easy. Yeah. If you just, you know, if you Google Let's Talk Micro Podcast, I will show up right there and you can find the main page, which is from RSS, but the podcast, you can find it on any podcast platform, you know, all the, all the popular ones and maybe the ones that people don't use it that much, but I made sure that it's, it's in all of them. That's awesome. And so for our listeners, if you want to reach out to Luis, you can find him at the at the sites he listed. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, join us on the ASCLS uh, Facebook page and, you know, let's chat away. If you want to reach out to me or Dorian personally, you can find me at warbler.works on Instagram or warbler underscore works on Twitter. Right. Yeah. On Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, Dorian, how can people find you? 
I will be making social media soon. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. So TBD. TBD. Now that I have all these cool tips that I can use to, to make the first step into making progress. Yes. And thank you, Luis, again so much for coming on our show. Actually, fun fact for our listeners, I actually uh, reached out to Luis through Threads. So maybe Threads is not the bad place to be. Hey. Uh, So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Luis, so, so much. And we'll catch you guys next time. My pleasure. Bye, listeners. Bye.